And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. I want to talk to you today about what happens when Jesus shows up. What happens when Jesus shows up? We're looking at Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. And I just want to say, I, I really, I got inspired for this message since Steve Sampson preached last week. I was able to do some extra reading and I was reading Rodney Howard Brown's book, Seeing Jesus as He Really Is. I encourage you to get a copy of this book if you haven't read it. How many of you have it? Let me just see. You, you say you, maybe you picked it up. Several of you picked it up when he was here in November. I, I want to encourage you to get it. It's a great book. Great resource. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus is speaking here, and I want you to read this aloud and loudly. Use your best voices, okay? Come on, let's just ring the rafters. Here we go. Everyone together. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm of the opinion that Jesus preached this message over and over and over again as he traveled across the Judean countryside. I believe he preached the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. He has anointed me to bring the good news, the glad tidings. How many of you know there's a lot of bad news preachers around today? I, I'm serious. I, I watch Christian television sometime and I think, I think some of these guys must spend all their time meditating on Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel and the minor prophets and they don't spend any time studying the sermons of Jesus or the apostle Paul or Peter or James or John because, because when you listen to them, I mean, they are, they're railing against sin. They're railing against everything that they believe is wrong. And yet the gospel is good news. The gospel is glad tidings. Now, everybody look at me, and I want you to hear me and hear this pastor's heart. I hate sin. I hate the devil. I hate his demon cohort. I hate what sin does to people. I hate the way sin allows the devil to kill, steal, and destroy in the lives of men and women. I hate the way that sin takes people longer than they want to want. It takes them further than they want to go, holds them longer than they want to stay. I hate the way sin destroys marriages and sin destroys lives. But dear ones, if I preached on sin all the time to you, you know what you would have? You would have a sin Consciousness. You'd be thinking all the time about sin. If I put a plate of, of chocolate chip cookies in front of you right now that just came out of the oven and it smelled mm, so good, and I say, hey, Zach, look at these cookies, but you can't have one. No, Zach, it's a sin to have one of those cookies. You cannot have a cookie. Look at it, but you can't have one. What's Zach going to be thinking about? What's he going to be smelling? 
Cookies. He's going to be absorbed with cookies. And dear ones, when a preacher just preaches against sin, sin, sin all the time, I'm going to tell you what it does. It produces a sin consciousness in those that hear him. You'll be more conscious of sin than you are the cure for sin, which is Jesus Christ and his shed blood and the righteousness that he affords us. So I don't want you to be conscious of sin. I want you to be conscious that God has delivered you out of the kingdom of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of his dear son. I want you to be conscious of the fact that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I want you to be conscious of the fact that God's in you to willing to do of his good pleasure. I want you to be conscious of the fact that we have an advocate with a father. And if you do sin and mess up, you run. You don't cross go. You don't collect $200. You run to the throne of grace where you can find grace and mercy in time of need. You repent of your sin. You get right with the Lord. Hallelujah. I want you to be more conscious of the fact that you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. That old things have passed away. And that all things have become new. I want you to be aware. Come on, just come on. Don't patty cake. Come on. Let's give Jesus glory. Come on. Hallelujah. I want you to be aware that, that God's in you to willing to do of his good pleasure and faithful is he that has called you who will bring it to pass. I want you to be aware of righteousness and not sin. I want you to be aware that God is working in ways that you can't see. Hallelujah. My prayer is for the conviction of the Holy Spirit to, to be on this campus as, as people drive down the road. We've had some people tell us that. They said, I was driving down the road and, and something came over me and I, I just knew I had to get right with God. Well, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will convict of sin and of righteousness and judgment to come. He said, of sin, because they've not believed on me. Folks, not believing on the shed blood of Christ is the full payment for your sins will send a person to hell. Now, I've gotten letters, Pastor, don't you mention hell. That makes me uncomfortable. I don't want my children to, to hear any mention of hell because they have trouble sleeping at night. Folks, I didn't make up hell. Jesus had more to say about hell than he did about heaven. And hell is a real place. But the gospel is good news. Hallelujah. The gospel is glad tidings. Hallelujah. And we're not living in the Old Testament. We're living in the New Testament. Folks, we're living in the New Covenant. And the gospel is good news. It's glad tidings. Hallelujah. I get happy just about thinking about the good news of the gospel. I get excited. Hallelujah. Now, we live in a world that's full of bad news. Just turn on television and you can get your fill of bad news. Go to your smartphone. And if you've got a news feed, it'll feed you bad news all day long. See, the last thing that you need, the last thing any of us needs is a preacher giving you more bad news today. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus still saves. Jesus still heals. Jesus still delivers. Jesus still restores. Jesus still keeps. Jesus still sanctifies. And he's coming back again. Can you say hallelujah? Here's the problem. There are a lot of Christians today in America that are confused because they got a whole lot of the old covenant in them and they got some of the new covenant in them and they kind of created their own covenant and their own covenant because they've got old and new inside them. Their old, their own covenant condemns them in one moment and sets them free the next. Let me try over here. Our own covenant makes us feel accepted by the Lord one moment 
And then we feel like God's hitting us over the head the next moment. Come on now. But I'm telling you, this gospel is good news. (laughs) You say, why is it good news? It's because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what happens when Jesus shows up? What happens when Jesus comes into a life? I believe the very atmosphere changes. I believe when Jesus walks in, one look at his face, he's smiling at you. And his face is full of love and acceptance and forgiveness. And I believe that one second in his presence and we just start melting on the inside. We're kind of like Zacchaeus, Lord, if I've committed sin, I repent. I don't want any sin in my life. We start getting right. He doesn't have to say one word to us. When Jesus walks in, I just believe he proclaims the thief came to kill, steal, and destroy in your life. But he says, I've come that you can have life and that more abundantly. I believe that Jesus proclaims 1 John 3, 8, For this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. You say, what's God up to? He's destroying the works of the devil. That's what he's up to. I believe that when Jesus walks in, as it says in Acts 10, 38, he went around doing good, healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Let me just quickly this morning share with you four things that happens when Jesus walks into your life. Four things that happens. Number one, when Jesus walks into your life, He will bless your emotions with joy. Somebody say joy. Come on. Now turn to the next person next to you and say, he said joy. Isaiah 12 verse 3 says, with joy you'll draw waters from the wells of salvation. Romans 14, 17 says, the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 1.8 says, We rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is now love and joy and peace. James says, Count it all joy when you encounter difficult trials and situations. You say, well, pastor, you, you don't know what I'm going through. it's easy for you to get up there and preach and say count it all joy but you don't know what i'm going through you don't know the test and the trials and the heartache and the people that are treating me wrong folks i know what it is to be treated wrong i've had more than one job where i've had a supervisor that was trying to put pressure on me so i quit I've had supervisors who were trying to get me to quit. When I was the, the dean of students and chaplain at Regent University, I was reporting to a vice president, and I noticed that he kept canceling every meeting I made with him. It went on for about seven months. He canceled every single meeting. And a friend of mine came to me and says, you know, so-and-so says he's trying to get you to quit. People sometimes will treat you like an enemy. Hear me, people will do that. I remember calling my dad and said, Dad, I just want you to pray with me about this. Because I prayed. I would quit. You know, sometimes it's easier to say, take this job and. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you know it's, it's harder to stay sometimes than it is to go? 
It's, it's, it's harder to stay in a marriage sometimes than it is to go. Come on. It's harder to stay in a relationship than it is to go. Come on. It's harder to, to, to stay. It doesn't matter if you're pastoring or working for the XYZ Corporation. It's just, it's harder to stay sometimes than it is to go. And I prayed and the Lord talked to Kathy about it. The Lord wouldn't give us permission to resign. He said, I've called you here. And I'm thinking, well, okay, well, it's got to change then. I talked to my dad about it. He said, son, is this man treating you like an enemy? I, he, he says, what does the Bible say? How does the Bible? My dad didn't answer my question. He says, what is the, how does the Bible tell us to treat our enemies? And I had to thought, think about it. I said, well, Jesus said in Matthew 5, he says, I want you to love and bless and do good and pray for your enemies. He says, that's a good place to start, Terrell. So I started blessing this man. I just started blessing him. Caused me to pray more. Now, here's the truth, folks. Most of us need a problem every now and then just so we'll pray more, right? Come on. I wish it wasn't that way. I wish I wish we were diligent in prayer all the times. But some of us, we just need a problem every now and then to get us on our face before God. Hallelujah. But as Andre Crouch used to sing, if I'd never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God had solved them. I'd never know what faith in God could do through it all. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. That just went over some of your head. Google Andre Crouch through it all. You can enjoy it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He says, you're supposed to love, bless, and do good to your enemies. He says, what did David say in Psalms 23 about his enemies? And I thought for a minute, and I said, well, David said that God prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He said, Terrell, you've got to trust God to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Enemies. Look at me. Some of you got problems. Problems can be enemies. Debt and lack. Rejection can be an enemy. Tell I needed you in the choir this morning. Yeah. I'm glad to see you here. I was looking for you up there. How many of you know, you know, sickness can be an enemy? People coming against you, having a supervisor that's trying to put pressure on you so you'll quit. Come on. People talking about you behind your back, that can be an enemy. But David said he prepares a, a table. What kind of, I believe he prepares a table of abundance. He prepares a table of provision. He, he, he prepares a table of love and acceptance and forgiveness. Come on. He prepares a, a table of strength and a table of joy. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And it changed the way. Dad didn't, didn't, didn't quote the scriptures to me. He says, what did, he asked, he asked me leading questions, so he let me solve the answers myself. How many of you know when you come up with your own answer, you own it? It's not just what he said. So suddenly I was owning Matthew 5, love, bless, do good, and pray for your enemies. I was owning Psalms 23. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I just kept on reading. He anoints my head with oil. When I was teaching from Psalms 23 a couple of weeks ago, I pointed out that a good shepherd will take linseed and, and olive oil and mix them together and, and anoint the mucous membranes of sheep because there are flies that want to, want to come and lay their eggs in the mucous membranes of the sheep. 
And when those larvae hatch, they make their way up into the sinus cavities of the sheep and it absolutely drives them nuts. They'll be hitting their heads against rocks and against trees. But a a good shepherd will anoint that sheep with oil and that oil not only prevents those eggs from hatching, it, it prevents the flies from depositing more eggs and the vapors go up into the sinus cavity and it kills the flies that are there. I want you to look at me. The Bible says that the devil, one of his names is Belzebub, which means Lord of the flies and the anointing breaks and destroys the yoke of bondage. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, he anoints our head with oil. Jesus said, I'm anointed to preach the gospel. Come on, how many of you are anointed by God? Let me just see your hand. Come on, I'm anointed by God. Come on, as your face, so be it unto you. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. Surely, two big old angels, one of them's name is goodness, the other's name is mercy. They are following me. Okay, now I'm walking down the hallway at, at, Regent, at CBN University, Regent University in Virginia Beach. I see my supervisor coming down the hall, and I notice immediately he ducks in another door so he won't have to see me. I've got a choice. I can feel sorry for myself. I can get frustrated. Or I can say, Lord, I thank you. I bless him. I do good. I pray for him. And Lord, I thank you that you're preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I thank you, Lord, that you're anointing my head with oil. My cup runs over. I thank you that right now goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. And I'm dwelling in the house of the Lord. And I want you to know that went on for another three months. And the day came that that man lost his job. That man lost his job, and suddenly I'm reporting to Bob Slosser, the president of the university, and he was the most gracious. He, he's still my, he's my favorite boss of all times because he was such an encourager. He was such a, a strengthener. Folks, I don't know what you're going through today, but I'm telling you, God will not allow anything you go through to take you down because no test and no trial is unique to you, but it's common to all of us. And in that test and in that trial, in that temptation, God makes a way of escape. And I'm telling you, there's a way of escape. And it usually has to do with you putting your faith in God's word. When circumstances seem to mock you and nothing else seems to be working, Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Job chapter 5, verse 22 is one of my favorite verses because I discovered this a number of years ago. Job wrote these, or it's actually one of, one of the other fellows said this. He says, you shall laugh at destruction and famine. You shall not be afraid of the beast of the earth. Let me say that again. You shall laugh. Everybody say laugh. You shall laugh at destruction and famine. When the devil comes along and says nothing's going to work out, you're not going to have enough money, things are not going to work for you at work, you don't have any favor on you, you might as well throw in the towel, you can just start laughing. Ha, 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 ha. Ho, 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 ho. He, 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 he. Ha, 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 Oh, a merry heart does good like a medicine. And there's a time when you just need to laugh at faith, in faith at circumstances that mock the promises of God and see God get busy working on your behalf. 
In his presence, there's fullness of joy. At the Father's right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Hallelujah. I believe when Jesus shows up, he says, be of good cheer. Be not afraid. I am with you. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. In Acts chapter 8, Philip went down to Samaria and had a revival. And the Bible says there was great joy. Not great sadness. There was great joy in that city. (laughs) In Acts chapter 3, when the man who had been paralyzed, Peter said in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I'm not going to give you what I don't have. I'm going to give you what I have. Arise and walk. And the Bible says that strength came into his, his bones. And he began walking and leaping and praising God. I'm telling you, when Jesus walks into your life, he changes your emotions. He changes the atmosphere. When Jesus walks in your life, he makes you want to be emotional even. Amen? Man, I've, I've gotten letters from critics before saying you're just way too emotional. And I'll respond by saying thank you for helping me. <laughs> and I bless them and that's about it. But here's the truth. God gave every one of us emotions. God has emotions. He's singing and dancing over you according to Zephaniah 3 verse 17. God's rejoicing over you with his love today. Hallelujah. Where we got emotions. I mean, listen, when Florida State came back in the Orange Bowl, when they scored that last minute touchdown and defeated Jim Harbaugh, hallelujah, and Michigan, man, I was shouting, hallelujah. And yesterday, when the basketball team lost to Syracuse, I just turned off the television. I said, they'll get better. Hallelujah. <laughs> they'll get better. It's not, it's not all lost. Hallelujah. But folks, the Bible says weeping may endure for the night, but what comes in the morning? Come on. Weeping may endure for the night, but come on, try it again. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Isaiah 61, 3. This very passage Jesus is quoting in Luke chapter 4 says, God has given you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that you may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Say, well, I don't know, Pastor. It's just been a tough, tough start to 2017. How many of you know it was tough when Paul and Silas went to Philippi? The Holy Spirit directed them. Paul saw the man of Macedonia. The Holy Ghost told them to go there. And yet they get arrested. They get beaten. Their feet and ankles are in the stocks. But at midnight, instead of talking about how bad things were, they begin glorifying Jesus. They begin worshiping God. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. I don't know what they sang. They may have sang, how great is our God. Sing with me how great. Come on, Gary, and help me. Is our God. All will see how great, how great is our God. Come on, man. 
We need a first tenor. Is there a first tenor in the house? We need a, we need an alto. Is Winona Burger in the house? Give me another alto. So this, this gotta be an alto from the choir. Liz, come join us, Liz. Hey, Stephen, I didn't see you over there. Good to see you today, man. Do you know this song, How Great? Can you do the tenor? I mean, can yeah, can you do the alto? Do the alto? And uh, you might have to do the tenor. Okay. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. All will see how great. How great is our God. Try it again. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. All will see how great. How great is our God. Get him over here. Just stand there, guys. Just stand there. Here's Paul and Silas. They've just been beaten to a pulp. Well, Silas, we got to sing. We got to praise God. No, Paul, I don't feel like it. I just, why did we come? Why did you see that man from Macedonia anyway? Yeah, you just had too much pizza, Paul. That wasn't God. God wouldn't have us in these problems. And Paul says, Silas, we got to give him glory. And so they begin to sing, How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. All will see how great, how great is our God. Age to age he stands. Bum, bum, time is in his hand, beginning and the end, beginning and the end. The Godhead three in one, bum, bum, Father, Spirit, and Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb. Here we go. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. Oh, see how great, how great is our God. Suddenly there's a rumbling. There's this earthquake. Something begins to shake. Something begins to rock. Something begins to roll. And you know what? Paul and Silas and all the prisoners are free. And, 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 and the jailer seeing that they're, they've, are about to escape is going to kill himself. Paul says, do yourself no harm. After all, I saw you in a vision. You, the man from Macedonia, don't hurt yourself. We're all here. They took Paul and bathed their wounds. And Paul ministered the gospel along with Silas. And that man and his family were saved. And a beachhead for the gospel was established in Philippi because God is great and He's bigger than circumstances. And I'm telling you, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm telling you, even... Let's be, let's be honest. Some people can only sing in the shower. I get that. But even if it means you got to take 20 showers a day, you get in there and you give God glory and you sing, How great is our God. Sing with me how great 
is our God. Oh, see how great, how great is our God. Come on, give my hand of applause. Hallelujah. You did good. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Here's our second point. I'm going to hurry. When Jesus, when Jesus walks into your life, he starts meeting your every need. Folks, I, I'm just a big believer because I've seen it in my own life that God supplies every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I know shortly after Pastor Brown had, had retired after 16 years of ministry here and a couple of months, six months went by and Kathy and I came as pastors and, and I was preaching a message on God, Philippians 419, on God meeting our every need. And, and I guess somebody didn't like it and they went out and told another preacher in the area. And so that preacher called me and said, I just want you to know that I'm getting reports that you're in error. I said, Oh, I said, tell me about it. He says, yes. He says, you're taught, you're telling everybody that God wants to meet their need. And he says, I can tell you right now, sometimes God meets our needs, but God never takes care of non-essential matters. I said, oh, is that right? I said, Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think. I said, that sounds like our God does exceedingly, abundantly, above. I said, just because you've had some disappointments doesn't mean that's what the scripture teaches. And I began to, th- I, th- I said goodbye to him. Okay. And no, he doesn't send me Christmas cards and I don't send him Christmas cards. I said goodbye to him and I began to think about this thing. When Jesus did his very first miracle, he went to a wedding at Cana of Galilee and he turned water into wine. Do you remember the story? They, they ran out of wine at the wedding and the host and the couple are embarrassed. Mary says they have no wine. And Jesus saw six stone water pots. The, the scripture says they were about six firkins apiece. That's between 20 and 30 gallons of water that they held. They were used for the ceremonial washing, not just for washing your hands with soap. It was this thing the Pharisees did where they, anyway, I won't go into all that. But anyway, that was their purpose. And Jesus said, hey, go wash that, go throw that dirty water out. Go fill every one of those. And every one of those was filled with water. Now, this brother told me, he says, now God does not meet non-essential needs. Well, think about this with me. If there's 30 gallons in six pots, that's 180 gallons of wine. If every guest got eight ounces of this beverage, they could have served 2,000. 721 guests. Kathy and I have paid for three weddings because we got three daughters. And as a pastor, we've always opened up the receptions to everybody in the church. So we've had five, six hundred or more people at the receptions. But we sure didn't have 2,721. Have any of you had 2,721 people at your weddings? No. They didn't either at Cana. I'm telling you, we serve a God of abundance. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I think about when Jesus took the small boy's lunch and he took those five loaves and two fishes and he multiplied it and he fed 5,000 people plus 5,000 men plus women and children. And then they took up 12 basketfuls of fragments. Let me ask you a question. Was that essential that Jesus multiplied it? I mean, the disciples have already come and said, Jesus, is getting dark. You need to send them away. So they go to Pizza Hut's and they go to Chick-fil-A, you know, send them away. There were places to get food. It was not essential. But we serve a God. See, some of you need to stretch your thinking here. We serve a God who does not have limitations. He says, the silver and gold are mine. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Hallelujah is right. I think about Jesus using Peter's pulpit, which was a boat. Let's look at that. I think it's in Luke chapter 5. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon, and he asked him, he says, put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Okay, let's, let's establish what's going on here. Peter is a professional fisherman. That boat is his office. That boat is his business. That boat is the way he fed his wife and his children. And he, and, and he also kept his livelihood going. He probably supported his father. James and John supported their daddy, Zebedee, okay? So verse four, when Jesus has stopped speaking, he said to Simon, look what he says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had gone, done this, they caught a great, they caught a few fish. Now, what was essential for Peter? He had been fishing all night, hadn't caught a thing. It was essential that he bring breakfast home for his family, right? It was essential that he have some fish to sell at the market, okay? Did he need a great number of fish and their net was breaking? Come on, was that an essential or non-essential need? It was a non-essential. But we serve a God of extravagance. And whatever you do, don't limit what God will do in your life. God does not care what you have as long as what you have doesn't have you. You may have to, you've got to fight. You've got to stiff arm a spirit of greed and covetousness. A man's or woman's life doesn't consist in the abundance of things we possess. But I'm going to tell you something. If, if when you feed the poor, somebody's got to pay for the soup. Let me try it over here. When you feed the poor, somebody has got to pay for the soup. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I don't know what he was doing, but he was just passing through, I guess. God bless him. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, our God is a good God. Look at this. Their net was breaking, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me. I'm a sin. I'm going to tell you something. When you come into the presence of Jesus... Jesus didn't preach to him about sin. He just knew there was the conviction of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. In John chapter 21, 
Jesus has died on the cross. He has been buried. He's risen from the dead. Peter has gotten discouraged with other disciples, and they said, we're going to go back and return to fishing. So they go back to fishing. Peter looks, and he sees Jesus standing on the bank on the shore. And Jesus has got a fire kindled, and he's got some fish. And he says, guys, have you caught anything? They said, no. He said, cast your nets on the other side. Everybody say the other side. Cast your nets on the other side. And so they did, and the Bible says they caught 153 large fish. You can read it yourself, John chapter 21, 153. So, so here's the deal. Was that an essential need? They needed some fish, didn't they? Because Jesus said, bring some of the fish that you've caught, put them on the fire. Did they need 153? Maybe not. But our God does exceedingly, abundantly, Above all we ask or think. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Number three, when Jesus shows up, he'll bring peace that passes all understanding. Mark chapter four, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. And when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm rose, arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Folks, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what kind of storm you're in today. It doesn't matter what kind of turmoil is swimming around your life. When the peace speaker gets up and says, peace, be still. That's all it takes. You say, but pastor, I'm in the middle of a, of a great big storm. Well, maybe you should just go to the back of the boat and lay down with Jesus and take a nap. I'm going to tell you something. As long as Jesus is in there, that boat's, your boat's not going to sink. It's not going to be capsized. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number four, and I don't have time to elaborate on this this morning, but let me just give it to you. Jesus brings forgiveness of sin. Jesus is a redeemer. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want everybody to, just a second, I want you to stand, but let me let me ask you this. Unless you've got an appointment, unless you absolutely have to leave, I'm going to ask you to hang in here with us. Right now, because we've come to a, a really holy part of this service. It's a very important part. And I'm going to ask that nobody talk, nobody move, unless you've got an appointment. If you've got an appointment, I understand. But then when I count to three, I'm going to ask everybody to stand because God's getting ready to do some miracles among us. One, two, three. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. I want to talk to three groups of people that are here today. Three groups of people. First group I want to talk to is that some of you, some of you have never given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. You've never said yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to trust your blood as the full payment for my sin. You've never made Jesus your Savior and Lord. And I want to ask you one question today. What would happen if you died right at this minute? What would happen... If you died 
right this minute, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, what would happen? Would you wake up in heaven? Would you wake up in hell? See, unfortunately, God doesn't grade on the curve. You say, I'm a pretty good person. Well, you may be pretty good compared to other people, but God compares us to the Lord Jesus Christ, who was sinless. And the Bible says about you and me, it says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It says, there are none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm a whosoever, you're a whosoever, and you can call on the name of the Lord today. I'm telling you, He loves you with arms open wide. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He offers you acceptance and He offers you forgiveness. He offers you a new life. Will you surrender to Him today? There's a second group of people I want to talk to, and that's some of you. You you were at one time on fire for God. I mean, you loved the Lord and you knew He loved you and you're on fire for Him, but then something happened. Maybe you went through a divorce. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you had a loved one that died. Maybe you lost a husband or lost a wife or lost a son or lost a daughter. Maybe you lost a business. Maybe you had a financial reversal. Maybe you were betrayed by a friend. But today you'd say, you know what? I I just want to make my way back to Jesus. And Jesus stands with arms open wide to you. There's a third group of people here today I want to talk to and That's, you know Jesus Christ, you've asked Him into your life, and yet you don't have assurance in your heart that if you died tonight, that you'd wake up in heaven. Romans chapter 8 says that the Holy Spirit will bear witness in your heart and in my heart that we are the children of God. Today, if you say, Terrell, I fit in one of those three categories, and I need Jesus today. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. Carol, I need Jesus today. I want you to slip up your hand and leave it up until I see it. All over this house. All over this house. All over this house. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Anybody else in this house? I need Jesus today. I want everything God's got for me. I want everything that God's got for me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Over in this right-hand side in the far right is there anybody in this section say Terrell today today I need the Lord Jesus Christ today I don't want to miss making heaven my home anybody at all how about in this center right hand section anybody at all say Terrell today I need the Lord Jesus Christ I want to make heaven my home how about in this 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 front right hand section today Terrell I want the Lord Jesus Christ in my life I want the Lord Jesus Christ in my life How about in this left-hand center section? I want the Lord Jesus Christ. I need God. I need God in my life. How about in this this section right here, this middle section? I need the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. I want to make heaven my home one day. How about in this far left-hand section? Anybody at all? Terrell, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Pastor Zach's going to come. Pastor Zach, why don't you come right here? Just a second. I'm going to ask you if you raised your hand. I'm going to ask you to come and to, to pray with Pastor Zach. And we've got a free gift for you. But those of you, you, you know the Lord, but you just say, you know what? I just want more of Him as we're starting this year. This last Sunday in January, 
I just want more of him throughout 2017. If that's where you are today, I just want you to slip out. And I just want you to come on down and say, I want more of Jesus. I want everything that he's got for me today. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Come on, there's more of you that need to respond. Come on. You don't know when you'll have another opportunity just to come and, and press into the Lord. This is, this is a, a good time to do this. Those of you that raised your hand to receive the Lord, I want you to come and I want you to pray with Pastor Zach in the name of Jesus. I want you to come and pray with him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. You say, I want to just press into Jesus today. I don't just want to press into the Lord. We're not going to keep you a long time, but we're going to sing. And we're going to just spend some time in His presence. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.